Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Ladies and gentlemen, thrilled to have you here for another epic discussion. This is going to be a fun one, folks, and want to let you know if it's your first time here to Modern Day Debate, we are a nonpartisan channel focused on hosting debates, giving everyone their fair shot to make their case on an equal playing field. And that's the topics of religion, science, and politics. So if you love juicy debates, if you're sick like us, consider hitting that subscribe button for many more controversial debates to come. And want to introduce you to our guests. This is going to be a lot of fun, folks. We have very experienced speakers up here, so I think this is going to be tremendous, and I want to let you know they're linked in the description. So that way, if you're listening and you're like, oh, I'd like to hear more of that person, you can hear more by clicking on their links down below. So, in fact, what I will do is we're going to go from left to right, and basically, we're just going to give a quick introduction or allow you to introduce yourselves, everybody, and let people know just what people could expect to find at your link in the description box below. So we'll start with Aaron. It's been a while, Aaron. We're thrilled to have you back. So thanks so much for hanging out with us. And just a kind of a kind of bit on what people could expect to find at your link below. Uh, well, I've been I've been a full-time secular activist advocating for science education and uh, advocating for secular policies and politics for a better part of, well, I've been doing it for more than 10 years, and I've been doing it full-time since at least 2014. Uh, however, I am not rich, and I need all the help I can get, so <laughs> patreon.com forward slash A-R-O-N-R-A, please. You bet. And Tom Jump, glad to have you here once again, friend of the channel as well. If you could let people know what they can expect to find at your links, the floor is all yours. Thanks for being here. I'm T-Jump. I do debates with professors and philosophers from different colleges around the world about different topics related to philosophy and the existence of God. Um, I'm also not rich. Uh, I appreciate money, too. Money money is good. Um, so check out my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash T-Jump. You bet. Thanks so much, Tom. And Cliff, thrilled to have you. I had... I think it was like years ago when I had first discovered one of your videos on YouTube, these live interactions in public, really fun. Uh, so Cliff, if you want to uh, let the audience know, we're thrilled to have you back. If you could let people know just what they could expect to find at your link as well. And give me an answer. You can find people who are really concerned about truth. What does the evidence point to as being true? And I certainly don't know all the truth. I'm a searcher. I'm someone who's growing and understanding truth better and, I love talking with people who are in a similar quest. You bet. Thanks so much, Cliff. And Stuart, thrilled to have you back as well. Just had that one-on-one -on -one the other day, so it's, we're, we're glad to have you. And as well as what people, maybe just a basic introduction on yourself as well, as what, in terms of what people can expect to find at your link. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Yeah, the YouTube channel is Give Me an Answer or Ask Cliff. And so you can check us out there. It's a national, international television program that you've been running for national 40 years. So it's on college campuses across the country. There's going to be a little bit of a dent in the things, obviously, this fall. Debating with masks on is going to be interesting. But we're thankful for your channel here, James. This is a great medium to do it on. And uh, yeah, that's the, that's the link. Thanks so much. That means a lot. Appreciate it. And 
with that, folks, we're going to jump right into this. So Tom would like to get the ball rolling. Tom will be making a short statement, just kind of explaining yeah. where his side comes from. Then we'll hear from Cliff and Stuart as well for their quick opening, just in terms of where they stand. And then we'll jump right into that open dialogue. If you have a question, feel free to fire it into the old live chat. And we ask that you do us a favor. If you tag me with that modern day debate, it makes it easier for me to see those questions. And if you can reserve your questions for serious questions related to the topic, that helps a lot as well. So with that, Tom, the floor is all yours. Yeah, so I prepared a little bit of an opening just because there's supposed to be a six minute thing. So I'll just, I'll just go through that as fast as I can. So the topic today is, is there a soul? And there's two competing hypotheses, materialism and then dualism or idealism. And in order to have evidence for one of the different hypotheses, you have to have some way to differentiate, is my hypothesis real or imaginary? And anything that can do that, differentiate between the real and the imaginary is called evidence. In science, we use novel testable predictions to be able to differentiate imagination and reality. So if my hypothesis is true, then I can predict that if we do this experiment, we will get this result. And if confirmed, that's evidence that my hypothesis is real and not imaginary. So which of these two hypotheses has been able to make novel testable predictions? Well, materialism. There are many novel testable predictions that have been made and confirmed about a purely physical brain hypothesis. For example, if the brain is purely physical, then your desires will be controlled by physical things in your brain. And we have confirmed evidence of this, such as in the case of a man who was convicted for being a pedophile, but he was discovered to not be guilty because he had a brain tumor causing these desires. And when the tumor was removed, he no longer had them. He actually had the tumor regrow and regain the desires, and then it was moved again, and again, he no longer had the desires. So obviously none of that was the man's fault. It was all just due to the physical interactions in his brain due to the brain tumor. So we know desires are a physical result of the brain unless the brain tumor also has some kind of immaterial soul thing that can warp your desires. Also, we know that impulse control and your choice to act on those desires is also a result of physical brain process, such as in the case of Phineas Gage, who had a metal rod shot through the left frontal lobe of his brain, causing him to lose his ability to have impulse control. Obviously, again, it is not his fault that he, didn't, he did not choose this, and he is not choosing the actions he is doing any more so than the man in the previous example. It's a result of the fact that part of his brain was that was regulating impulse control had been damaged, meaning he is not morally culpable for his actions because they are determined by the physical brain damage that he had suffered. And it's not only desires and impulse control, but every function of what we think of as being a conscious person is, has been demonstrated to be a result of the physical mind through the same process. Morality, empathy, compassion, understanding, those can all be lost due to damage in the brain and make someone a psychopath, but again, at no fault of their own, just because of the damage to the physical processes of the brain. Same with emotions. Emotions, both good and bad, can be completely shut off by damage to the brain. Uh, motivation, ambitions, goals, values, even religious beliefs can be shut off or added by damage in the brain, which is a common feature of epilepsy. Um, we know that damage to the corpus callosum can cause the hemispheres of the brain to develop independently, causing what religious belief to develop in one hemisphere while being an atheist develop in the other hemisphere. Is, uh, is the soul split in half by some kind of physical damage to the corpus callosum? I mean, I, I don't think so. It doesn't seem to make much sense. Even the ability to make a choice at all is a physical part of the brain. Using an fMRI, we can know what you will choose before you know you're going to choose it uh, just by looking at the brain states in an fMRI. And we can also stop your ability to choose. Like if we damage the emotional centers of the brain, people lose the ability to make choices at all. I mean, to be, to be fair, we can only predict about five seconds in, in advance to know what you're gonna choose before you choose it. But as time goes on and we technologically advance, the accuracy will increase dramatically as with all scientific progress. 
And so this is why the consensus of all experts in every academic field related to consciousness, such as neurology, cognitive science, philosophy of mind, et cetera, they are all materialists because all of the evidence indicates materialism. All of the testable predictions indicate materialism. Nothing but materialism has ever been able to make testable predictions. So there is nothing in idealism or dualism that has yet provided a way to differentiate their hypothesis from just being imaginary. And this is why materialism has met the burden of proof overall. And to quote Julian Mussolino, a cognitive scientist, most, in fact, the overwhelming majority of people in my line of work are what are called materialists or physicals. There's a number of lines of reasoning that all converge on the same conclusion. That's what philosophers call a consilience of evidence. That's what supports strong conclusions like evolution and climate change. So in the case of evolution, you have fossil record and you have molecular biology, comparative analogy, all of these things point to the same direction, likewise for the soul. And I will conclude there. Well, if Aaron, if you're going to kind of save your time for the open discussion, we'll kick it over to Cliff and Stuart. Oh, I think you're on mute. Yeah, I, I did want to open with something because uh, T-Jump didn't cover it. I mean, I, I did a couple of debates along these lines in the last couple of months, and I've talked to a number of philosophers and neuroscientists about that. And much like you know, T-Jump was talking about, you, you, you talk to a battery of neuroscientists, and they all have specific examples where there are physical causes that are changing the mind, that are changing the personality in ways that if the soul was immaterial or that the mind was related to the soul in some way, then these physical effects are, are disproving that. But more than just adding to T-Jump's point, I wanted to, to bring up the reason that people believe they have a soul. I've spoken about this a couple of times recently as well, is the fact that people in primitive ages, when they started putting all this together, they had no idea what air is. Now, they knew that you would die if you can't breathe, and they knew that when something dies that it doesn't breathe anymore. So they assumed that the breath of life, literally spirit, the word spirit meaning to breathe, is is what that's the reason we think we have a soul is because we have this breath the reason people say bless you when you sneeze because one sneezing is one way of is a means of contagion is, is a, if whatever's making you sick is now going to get onto somebody else if you breathe your spirit onto them and people could die if they sneeze so people will say bless you because your spirit has now left your body and now some evil spirit can get into your body and they're determining good spirits and evil spirits largely by their smell which was permeated in the Middle Ages through a, a, a term called foul, uh, what was it, bad air or foul air, something along those lines. And there's lots of places in the Bible where it talks about you know, the, the correlation between spirit and, and breath or breath of life or give up the ghost means the same thing as to have your last breath. So people thought that's that's what a spirit is. They, they, they would see dust devils that would suddenly appear out of nowhere, throw all your stuff around, and then disappear in evanescence. Well, of course, that's, that's what a devil is. That's where they came up with the idea of genies, for example. That's why God talks to us from a cloud. That's why, you know, volcanic plumes. You know, it, it would be hard for it to be a, a primitive person at all and witness a volcano firsthand and not think that's God. But part of the correlation is the the columns of smoke moving about through the air and then of course all of the lightning discharges that come along with that and all of the thunder and the roaring and everything that's people would bow down and worship that kind of thing because it just makes that kind of impression but it's all in the air so when you build your campfire and you can create a uh, a a fire tornado if your fire is too big especially if you're in a desert region that's where the idea of the afriti come from which is a, you know the fire demon that is the basis of well there's a lot of demons like that in the quran so all of these are just 
not understanding what air is or what, it, what the reason that, that some alcoholic beverages are called spirits. You open the bottle. If you, if you have good vision and look at it the right way, you can see the, uh, the fumes coming up. So they call that spirits, right? Much the same thing with it, like the, the oil lamp where the genie come from or the roll out the rug where the genie comes from because you have bits of dust that roll up into the air and people don't know what that is. So they made this thing up. And when they would build their clay figurines, you know, the first thing we do as primitive people is build things out of clay, right? Playing around in the mud. And then you can just imagine two people saying, you know, I wish we could just breathe into this, the breath of life and make it come alive. Cause you know, in Genesis, Adam is created as a golem spell. And you know, Jewish scholars actually admit that that was a golem spell as in a magical spell that God is using to create Adam. And other, other people in other stories have done much the same thing. There's lots of different religions that have used that. Like uh, um, uh, the, the goddess Mami, and I think it is the Enumelish, or, or it might be the Epic of Atrahasis, where they built seven figurines for you know seven men and seven females. And, and then they ex execute a god so that they're all soaked in the blood and breathe into each of these the breath of God, or the breath of life, rather, which brings them all to life. Right? And then they say in, in Hebrew scriptures that when a child is born, it takes its first breath and becomes infused with the spirit, which makes it a living soul. So that's what it is. That's, it's breathing. It's air. It's the movement of air. It's the wind. That's why we imagine spirit as being supernatural and being everywhere. And that's literally all of our belief in our soul is literally nothing more than hot air. You bet. Thanks so much, Aaron. We will kick it over to Cliff and Stuart. The floor is all yours. Part of what Aaron just said, I agree with in terms of it's more metaphorical. When God breathed air into the nostrils of Adam, you could say Eve as well in the garden, they came to life. I would say also in Genesis 126, it talks about male and female being created in God's image. That's connected to that breath that Aaron's talking about. Then if you go to Mark 8, 36, talks about what is it? profit a man or a woman if they gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul. Many Christians have mistakenly thought that that meant, oh gosh, you gain a lot of money or material wealth and you're going to ruin your soul and God's going to damn you forever. So you're not going to go to heaven. No, what Mark simply means there is that you're forfeiting your soul if your soul starts to disintegrate by chasing after things too much, holding too tightly to things like life on earth, to things like money turning into greed, to things like looks, attractiveness, Whatever it might be, that's the disintegration of the soul there that Mark's getting at. Now, one thing Aaron just brought up that I find interesting is he was kind of alluding to the God of the gaps argument. Well, I think it's fascinating that you're bringing that up here and now with the soul and the consciousness, for example, there's so much unknown. And you have Steven Pinker who talked about that recently. You have Thomas Nagel in Mind and Cosmos who spoke to that in a slightly different way. You have Luc Ferry in A Brief History of Thought who spoke that way. And a lot of atheists, especially on Luc Ferry and Tom Nagel, have jumped on them and said, whoa, wait a second, you're supposed to be more of a hard materialist. What are you doing? Talking about there's excessive pieces to consciousness that aren't connected to perhaps evolution. Instead, there's tremendously ambiguous. Why are you saying, why are you talking about these immaterial things that make us look bad? But I'm so glad for Steven Pinker's honesty when he says there's so many parts of consciousness, whether it's subjective experience, whether it's mathematical laws, whatever it might be that don't really line up with evolution, truly evolving, especially evolving as primates in such a way where we are trying to survive. So immaterial things, though, is what we're after here when it comes to the soul. And I think compartmentalizing it is, is crucial. 
Uh, Tom brought up a few different parts. I would say, though, to simplify in the past 2,000 years for Christians, the soul comprises of the conscience, so distinguishing right and wrong. It comprises of also the emotions, the intellect, relation, relational beings we are, and I think that started right in the Garden of Eden. When we walked with God in the cool of the day, unbroken, loving relationship with God is what we desire and what is exactly what human beings are made for. See, I work with a lot of opiate addicts, right? And why in the world do atheists, agnostics, and Christians talk about this God-shaped hole? And many allude to it almost as like a soul. It's, it's this emptiness inside of you that you're trying to fill. And so, so many say, you know, it's an untethered soul, for example. And Lindsay Lohan fell in love with that book and was really an apologist for that book, saying that we have to develop our souls in some kind of way in order to banish addiction. And so our society is really caught on to that kind of language. I like Soren Kierkegaard when he talks about how we have a sickness unto death and how that's connected to our soul in such a way where we build our lives on things that ultimately can destroy us because we have longings. And unless God fills that God-shaped hole, we always will have longings that tend to push us towards destructive behavior. So some immaterial things that will be connected to the soul. There's other pieces that I really didn't mention as well. I think the spiritual side is crucial, but connected immaterially. How about justice, love, morality, logic, reason, consciousness. Materialism can get close in explaining some of these things, but I don't think it can get anywhere near as far as theism can in answering a lot of these tough issues. Thank you, Stuart. When I use the word soul, I mean self. I mean personhood. You, me, I, you, person, personality, self. That's what I mean when I say soul. I think that's what the Bible means. Now, why would a thinking person believe that we have souls? First of all, because I choose my actions and you choose your actions. When I fall down a set of stairs, I don't pick myself up at the bottom and say, phew, I'm glad that's over. That's determinism. No, when I fall down a set of stairs, I pick myself up at the bottom and I say, stupid, pick your feet up and don't stumble down the stairs. In other words, I choose my actions. I think we all chose to be in this debate tonight. I don't think you have to. At least I hope nobody has a gun to your head, or I hope that your chemicals didn't determine that you would be part of this debate. I hope that the real you chose to be in this debate tonight. I can promise you the real me chose to be in this debate tonight. Secondly, the reason that I believe there's a real self, a real you, a real me, a real soul is because we reason through issues. I was at MIT and a student said, I don't have free will. I said, really, why? Because he said, I can't walk off the top of that building and walk through the air to another building. And because I was at MIT, I thought, oh, my goodness, this is something I've never understood before. But afterwards, the students who invited me there said, Cliff, the guy was irrational. The law of gravity does not deny the fact that we have free will and that we make decisions. So they helped me reason through that erroneous thinking on the part of that MIT student. We reason through issues. We reason freely. We don't have to be rational. We can choose to be irrational. I at times have been irrational. Not good. I don't like that. I want to be rational. I want to seek truth. The third reason that I'm convinced that we have a soul, a self, that there's a real I, a real you, is because I am morally responsible for my actions. And guess what? So are you. And guess what? 
The legal system in our country is based on that. If I walk around a corner of a building and see an elderly gentleman walking towards me, little balding hair, big stack of books under his arms, and I haul back and hit the guy as hard as I can, they haul me into a court of law and I say, Your Honor, I was abused as a kid. My father would pick up big books and smack me over the head, and he was a little balding in the hair. So that professor just so reminded me of my abusive father that I just had to haul back and hit him. The judge will look me in the face and say, Cliff, I'm sorry that your father was so abusive, but you are still responsible for slugging that professor. I am morally responsible for my decisions. You are morally responsible for your decisions. No, not if you have a chemical imbalance in your brain. You're right. Then we are declared insane. But that is a sign of lack of health, lack of chemical balance. And therefore, we're not operating on a level field. And that's why Robin Williams' widow said, my husband had a terrorist in his brain. She was referring to a disease, a type of dementia. Yes, the physical is a key part of who you and I are. Obviously, we have brains. But when you write up the description of the brain, you've not told the whole story. There's a mind that thinks. And if you do a lobotomy on a person, you can't discover their mind, their thinking. You can discover the brain. The chemicals, yes, but not the thinking. You and I make moral decisions that we're responsible for. And the fourth reason that I've convinced you have a soul and that I have a soul is because every single evening I self-reflect. I ask myself, Cliff, when you did that, was that good or was that not good? Do you want to repeat that tomorrow or don't you want to repeat that tomorrow? In other words, I can critique myself. See, a robot doesn't know it's a robot. You're not a robot. I'm not a robot. I am conscious of my consciousness. And my consciousness shows me that there is more to reality than simple matter and energy. It doesn't tell the whole story. Now, it's very simple for you guys to show that I'm wrong. All you have to do is give me a fact that cannot fit into the belief and worldview that I have as a follower of Jesus Christ. And when you present that fact to me that does not fit fit into reality. What you're doing is you're providing falsifying evidence for my belief or worldview. But if you can't provide those facts to the four points I've just made, then I would encourage you to reconsider your position. In other words, show that you have a better explanation of choosing your actions, reasoning through issues, making moral decisions, and self-reflection, a better explanation than that we have a soul, a self, an I, a you, a consciousness. Or show me that no, I'm just deluded. I don't choose my actions. I don't reason through issues. I don't make moral decisions. And I can't self-reflect. I can't know myself. I just am a robot that operates. So you have a way of falsifying my belief I have a way of falsifying your belief in saying, okay, now, are there facts that contradict your belief? If there are facts that contradict your belief, that gives us falsifying evidence that your belief is not accurate. That is why I'm convinced there's a real you that I have the honor of talking with right now. You bet. Thanks so much, Cliff and Stuart as well. Want to remind everybody that all of our speakers, links are in the description. We'll jump into the open dialogue section. So thanks so much, and the floor is all yours, gentlemen. 
Thank you very much. I don't know if Tom jump types as fast as I do, but I've got quite a number of notes. Uh, first of all, one of you guys said that you were interested in truth. That was a big problem that I had when I was religious, as I would be convinced that whatever I believed was the truth. And then when I switched from one religion to another, again, I was convinced that I had the truth and turned out I didn't have the truth either time. I had to come up with a, a, a definition of the truth that was not, in fact, a lie. And so I realized that the truth is what the facts are, what we can show to be true, not whatever else we would rather assert in instead. So the first of all, there's that. Second, I didn't bring up a God of the gaps. I, I did bring in where people assume one thing. They're, go they're going with this hypothesis that they're never going to test, but that's not necessarily a God of the gaps. Uh, and I don't understand what the, uh, the assertion that consciousness is not evolutionary, because I've done a, I've done a couple of videos where I, where I talk about the evolution of consciousness and show how there are beings that are not conscious of their consciousness, but nonetheless have consciousness. And it's not what either of you describe. And by the way, both of you are using equivocation in the, the fact that you're switching back and forth between multiple definitions of what consciousness or soul is. And neither, not only do, not, do your definitions not agree with each other, they don't, they don't agree with the Bible either. I just want to state that we were not made for anything and we don't have a God-shaped hole. I damn sure don't have a God-shaped hole. That's just people when people think that maybe they're supposed to have something and they don't because they don't know any better. Uh, and then uh, the real me and the real all of us is entirely chemical. Being entirely chemical, we can still make rational decisions because we have a brain that is capable of doing that. Having a self that is determined by our conditioning and by our, by, by, by our patterns of development and so forth, our chemical makeup, does not have anything to do with whether we have a soul. If I were to disprove Christianity, which I'm sure I can do, that wouldn't have anything to do with whether there is a soul either. Because even if we, even if we had a soul, that doesn't mean that Christianity is right. Christianity is wrong anyway. Whether, whether there's a soul or not, Christianity is already wrong at the, at, the, at the beginning. Second, you have to show that there is something more than matter and energy. You've made the assumption, because you don't know any better, but you've made the assumption that there is more. You said you know that there is more. But knowledge is demonstrable with measurable accuracy. If you know it, then you can show it. And if you can't show it, then you shouldn't say that you know it, because you don't. And let me see if there was one more. Whether we are rational or not has nothing to do with whether we have a soul either. And self does not equal soul because you still have a self whether you have a soul or not. So you need to show that there's this immaterial aspect. We know that materialism exists. We know that the, that the brain exists, that the brain does these things, that the brain can be physically enhanced by physical causes causing you know, physical changes in what you're calling immaterial. It's not immaterial, it's definitely material. I talked to Dan Daniel, Dan, Daniel Dennett about this and he says that there is no support at all for dualism. We're definitely just material. I had a debate about this last month, wherein my opponent admitted, and the, and the debate, what the point of the debate was, is the mind material? And right away, after my opening argument, he just caved. He said, you're right, the, the brain isn't, or the mind is entirely material. That's it. Argument over. So you haven't presented reason one to believe your position. What you have done is show that you don't really understand what the position is. And I'm done. Tom, any thoughts? Otherwise, uh, there's about three minutes. We'll go to Stuart and Cliff for about three minutes otherwise. Yeah, I'd like to try and steel man their arguments. So it seems like what they're saying is that justice, love, morality, logic, reason, consciousness, moral responsibility, the ability to choose, um, those things cannot be explained materially. Therefore, there must be some immaterial aspect or something. That seems like what the argument they're making or that is better explained by a non-material aspect, something like that. Um, and I 
believe that's false. As I showed in my opening, like we don't choose our actions. We know that's a physical brain state. And we, it's not just when Cliff said it's a, a chemical imbalance. It's not just that it's a chemical imbalance. It's literally every choice you make is a chemical imbalance. For example, if we had a psychopath, for example, we think psychopaths are horribly immoral because they do things that uh, it hurt others for their own gain and they feel no remorse or empathy or compassion. But if we found a drug that we could like just give them a pill to cure them of their psychopathy, which is likely going to happen, we we're already working in that direction, then we realize that actually psychopathy and those choices, really it's not their fault. They aren't morally culpable. They are not choosing these actions. It's just their brain state, just like the tumor, no different from the tumor. And every single action you make is done for the exact same thing. It's just a chemical interaction in the brain. And, and essentially we'll be able to cure it with a pill so we can prove definitively we are not responsible for our actions, which is why the advancements in neuroscience as reported by Robert Sapolsky are in direct conflict with the court system today. And the court system is based on a false premise that we have uh, moral culpability when in fact we do not. And we can prove this pretty simply just by saying, if we do choose things, if we do have so, some kind of control over our choice, do we choose to do it for reasons, in which case it's determined by those reasons, and so it's determined and it's not a choice, or do we choose it for no reason, in which case it's by definition random, that's a true dichotomy, P or not P. If we choose to do an immoral action or whatever, for reasons, then it was determined by those reasons, and if we did it for no reasons, then it was by definition random. And so there's no way that we could have control over our choices to begin with, which is what all the evidence in psychology and neurology and cognitive science indicate. Gotcha. And so we'll kick it over to Cliff and Stuart. That's about roughly five minutes. So it's like not keeping track per se, but roughly five minutes. Well, I found it interesting that Aaron talked about his first point when it came to truth. And I didn't really follow too much in terms of I heard you say jumping from religion to religion and thinking I had the truth each time. Well, it almost sounded like now you know you have the truth. It's almost like you, you can stop seeking now. So how did you land all of a sudden on that place? I think we're always truth seekers. You know, it, that's kind of depressing to hear that out of you because I have very many brilliant agnostic friends who at least talk about the sunset always receding. So we're always searching for knowledge. Actually, a guy, an agnostic guy came flying into my office once. I thought he was going to hit me, but he was like, you gave up. You completely gave up. You sell out. You actually think you have the truth. Don't you understand nobody has the truth? Life is all about the search. I had to turn looking at him and to say, well, I'm pretty sure you gave up too. You worship the search. So that's your truth too. So just like Iran, that's a type of religion. It certainly sounded like to me. I mean, if you're a Mormon, I think you grew up Mormon. Is that correct? If you grew up Mormon, sure. Look into the historical documentation. Look into the archaeology. Look into talking more so. I'm sure you did, hopefully with people in your church. I had many Mormon friends growing up. I understand the whole deal with you can't drink seven up and such. There, there's many different weird things going on within Mormonism. Now, we've also had Mormon friends literally say to us that I am only a Mormon. I totally see the bankruptcy in terms of the potential evidential veracity of it, but I'm a Mormon because they take care of their own so well. So I think Mormonism, yeah, you didn't find the truth there clearly because it's lacking in all the categories I mentioned. And it's also so clear that there is a type of brainwashing that goes on. And that brainwashing frequently leads to people eventually becoming honest and saying, like one guy, Mormon said to me, he said, look, I want to be a Mormon because I know that I'll always have a job when I am a Mormon. Many weird things going on in Mormonism. I'd be interested to know what other religions you jump to. 
But I think that's that was such a huge stretch. Your other points, I, I could see pearls of truth in there, but that first one was ridiculous. Um, here's a little transgender illustration for you, because I think it's very interesting when it comes to the soul. You know, T-Jump, you talked about how neuroscience, many neuroscientists and materialists have, have written off this idea of the soul and philosophers have, not as many philosophers, but some have. And I think it's interesting how Francis Crick, we all know who Francis Crick is, the famous neurosurgeon. He did say, oh, oh no, wait, not so fast here. You're, you're going to start to tell me that soul consciousness, whatever you may call it, that, that means the immaterial side of those, the ambitions, the joys, my deepest love, my, my longing to live forever. You're saying that's simply molecules. And he, you know, he said that recently and he kind of blew that up and he said, not so quick. It's not that easy. So when Iran says that, he said it in a pretty simplistic kind of way and made it sound so easy. I wish it was that easy, but let's be real here. This is a search. This is a topic we're talking about tonight that's tremendously difficult. Back to my transgender illustration. So we have that in terms of the neuroscience that T-Jump was saying, that there's some consensus there. Well, in the sex world, I think the soul is talked about a lot. We have, for example, a lot of scantily clad models walking by us in New York City during Fashion Week. And there was an interesting article put out not too long ago talking about the soullessness when it comes to these models, that they're all looking to find a way to identify and to understand themselves because their entire lives, they've simply been addressing and undressing themselves as bodies and they want to find something deeper. But I love how Caitlin Bruce Jenner here talked about as he was going through his transformation. So he's obviously the former American athlete, um, in his autobiography said, the juxtaposition of Bruce and Caitlin is shocking even to me. How could one become the other and the other become the one? I know that Caitlin was my gender identity of birth, waiting for the right moment to subsume Bruce. Imagine denying your core and soul, your core and soul. Then add to it the most impossible expectations that people have for you because you are the personification of the American male athlete. For Jenner and many others, the soul is the core of the person and is the place where the true identity lies, regardless of what is happening to the body. The way of fulfillment is to bring the body in line with the soul. And all other language is filled and saturated with soul and body, bringing them in line together. I'm convinced that everyone watching and everyone participating in this discussion knows very well that we choose our actions. You cannot deny that if you're being honest with yourself and with me. You choose your actions, I choose my actions. I don't sit in a restaurant and when the waiter comes up to me and says, what would you like, Cliff? I say, well, I'm a determinist, I'm a materialist, so whatever happens, happens. No, he's confronting me with a choice. What do I want to order for dinner? And so I place an order, I make a free choice to eat something that I choose to eat. So you choose your actions. And the reason I'm convinced of that is you hold others responsible for the actions that they choose. That's why some of your relationships blow up in animosity and others of your relationships blossom with love and respect. You choose your actions, so do I. The you is the soul, the you is the self, the you is the immaterial entity that goes beyond the physical. That's the real me, the real you. Secondly, you reason through issues and you critique your reason and you seek to grow in reason. Friends, if there is no God, 
our reason simply came from the irrational. That's a miracle. Rational coming from the irrational? That's a miracle. But the problem is the materialist has no miracle worker, no God. You see, Christianity provides the environment in which you can understand reason is good because it comes from a rational creator and it gets me in touch with reality. That's why science is good. But that's also why history is good. And it's also why relational knowledge is good. Thirdly, just so you know pardon my interruption, more. but just because just because we do want to keep it in the discussion format, like these responses on both sides are a little bit lengthy for a discussion. So we, I'm sorry, you got to be over five minutes by now, I'm thinking. So maybe what we'll do is if there's like a particular issue, we can kind of uh, go especially deep on and that will kind of keep us in that discussion back and forth format. Yeah, I'd like to jump in on uh, and then, Cliff's claim that we can't choose. Tom, we can totally do that. I just, what I need to do is maybe, if, Tom, if you're able to turn your volume up just a bit, and then Cliff and Stuart, if you're able to turn yours down just a bit. It's a little jump bit there. mismatched. We're close. Yeah, so so Cliff said that we can obviously choose. So if we use his example, I'm at a diner and I'm going to choose a pizza, and I chose, I ordered a pizza. Like, I either I chose that for reasons, like I have a bunch of past experience of liking pizza, or I had no reasons at all to choose and I just picked it randomly. So either my choice was determined by prior things in the past, so it wasn't a free choice at all, and it was determined, or it had no prior knowledge whatsoever. And it was just a random choice. I just like closed my eyes and put my finger on the pizza on the table. Those are the only really two options. I don't see how, because neither of those are free. Those are either, either it's determined by previous reasons, in which case it's determinism, or it's not determined by anything, in which case it's by definition random. And those are the only two possibilities. So, so free choice isn't an option there. I don't understand how you can say there's free choice when it's literally logically impossible. And it wouldn't make any difference which, which one you choose. Neither one implies a soul. Either one. The character of God, by the way, is not remotely rational. And uh, it, you, you mentioned I was raised by, that I was raised Mormon. I was raised by Mormons, but I never identified as Mormon. I, I've stated that a number of times. The religions I changed to was when I became a reborn Christian at about 19 years old, and uh, that, that ended very quickly. Uh, and then I moved on to a neo-pagan sort of a, a cult spiritualism where I was trying to do uh, transcendental meditation and other what I thought at the time were scientific experiments of firsthand, under, firsthand experience of the, uh, of, of the paranormal and so because what, what better way to know? Right. But in both of those cases, because I thought I was be, I was able to demonstrate these things, even to other people, I thought that was objective truth. But in fact, what was happening was that I was I, I figured out that I was stoking their their perceptions as well as my own. And I realized how deceptive faith is. So any belief that requires faith should be rejected for that reason. That's why I said the definition of, of truth is the truth is what the facts are, what we can show to be true, and only that. And I, I'm constantly advocating for why is there a rule? I, I believe Karl Popper was the one that put the rule down that no theory can ever be proven true. You can prove it false, but you can never prove it true. So if we have a hypothesis and we effectively prove that true, like evolution, for example, we effectively prove it true, it graduates to the level of theory. Uh, just like we did with the theory of gravity, like when Einstein revised the theory of gravity and came up with relativity and whoever the next physicist is to revise Einstein's theory because it needs revision as well, that will graduate to the level of theory if it can be efficiently or effectively proven the way Einstein's theory was. So I'm not saying that I'm gonna stop or that I even have the absolute truth. 
I'm just saying that I can show the truth of what I believe and you cannot. That's the difference. So when we're talking about a soul, understand that comparing hypotheses under my hypothesis of complete materialism, which is completely supported. I'm, I'm going to be interviewing a Patricia Churchland soon, and she says there is no mind, there is only the brain. Right. And so all of these things that you're talking about, how we make decisions, whether we're rational, whether we're not, whether we choose our own actions, all of this, this is under our hypothesis of materialism. So how do we determine this other thing that you want to add to the material perspective that we already know is real? So show me where that extra thing is that you want to pretend is there. Guys, this is real simple. It is a totally false dichotomy to say that when I go into a pizza shop, I either close my eyes and point, and that's freedom, free will, or I have to order something. That is a false Why did dichotomy. You, that Instead, is, that's, that's, that's not even relevant. Hey, don't interrupt me, bud. Come on, let's keep going. But that's not when what I we're saying. When I walk into a restaurant, you're straw I make a decision based on reason. And you're right. I consult my past experience. I consult my taste buds. I consult what I feel like having. I consult health issues. So I use my reason, but that's not determinism. Determinism is I don't have a choice. I have to do whatever I'm going to do. And when you're a materialist, you have to reduce reality if you're being logically consistent to determinism because all of reality is matter and energy. And then when it comes to faith, every single one of us has faith. None of us can prove, I can't prove, that what I'm living for is true. But no, no, I'm not going to. I'm not going to do this. That what I'm not going to do this. For is true. So faith is not blindness. Let's, faith is blindness faith by is definition. Evidence. I will not have you project you. faith on me. Let's let's. Before do not tell me that my lack of. Do not tell me that my lack of religion counts as a religion. It doesn't. I'm an anti-theist. I don't have a religion. Don't push your religion on me. I am also an epistivist. I do not have faith. Faith is the most dishonest position it is possible to have. Any belief that requires faith should be rejected for that reason. Faith is blindness by definition. It means that you are convinced of something without evidence, and you maintain that belief despite evidence to the contrary. Do not project your own faults onto me. What we can do is, before we go into the definition of faith, what we, which we can do if you guys would like, is that there was a point, Aaron, that you thought was misrepresented a straw man. So if you want to clarify... Everything he said, it it doesn't matter. You walk into a restaurant, you, if you choose something, or you, if you randomly... We're not even talking about it, why anybody would randomly, you know, close your eyes and point to something. That's completely exactly irrelevant. Exactly what Tom said. I didn't bring it up. Tom did. So don't misquote us. That's what Tom raised. And I was I'm not misquoting you. what Tom said. You, you, be fair, you started... man. Be honest. Come on. I am always... Tape if you need to. Tom raised the as restaurant okay. thing and the pizza thing, not me. If you're going to accuse me of dishonesty out the gate, then you're going to hamstring this debate right from the beginning. No, you're hamstringing it by misquoting. Tom brought and up you misrepresented. I did not misquote you, and you did misrepresent okay. our position. So let's. let's I said just... it doesn't matter because we are Kimmel, because because we are material. We're going to go in and we're going to make our own decisions, and we're going to be rational or, ir ir or irrational. Doesn't make any difference. We have a self, whether we have a soul or not. So you are barking up the wrong damn tree. Find something relevant to your argument. I asked for comparative hypotheses. According to our hypothesis, we have a self. We make our own determinations. We, we choose our own actions and so forth. We choose whether we're going to choose a pizza or not. Now, that's that's by our standard. Now, you say that you have belief that you have a soul because your evidence matches our hypothesis. 
No, you got to come up with one of your own. How do we identify this extra thing that you want to add to materialism? Where is the indication that you have a soul? All right, Stuart or Cliff? Well, so your definition of faith, that's, we got to blow that up real quick. Okay. Acts the definition of faith, if you want to tell me. I'll go from the biblical perspective and then I'll, I'll take a more secular. Hebrews 111. Uh, okay, so here we go. Sure, we can talk about the leaders, of the, absolutely, the patriarch, etc. in Hebrews 11. It's not Hebrews 1, Hebrews 11. So when it comes to... I said Hebrews 1.11. Acts, Acts chapter 17, verse 31, pistis. It's one of the best places when it comes to defining faith. Yeah, and I've had this argument too. Assurance. Other places mm -hmm. referred to as trust. trust when, I'm, yes. when, I was, when I was choosing a wife and when this wife was choosing me, we looked at the evidence, but then eventually we had to make commitment and we grew a trust together. It wasn't blind, gullible faith. Okay, so from a perspective, that is faith. Now, for you to automatically just keep saying, oh, proof, 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 and I can prove Christianity is not true. That's a belief system. In Latin, religio talks about binding things together. That is the term for religious. So in, in one sense, we all are religious because you do bind your worldview together. Another perspective is you keep talking about truth. Well, you should be a relativist if you're an atheist. So you keep referring to this type of absolute truth that clearly is not there. Why should I many be a different, Many different atheists are going to say, we can prove that there is no God. That's a faith position. You cannot prove that there is no God. Just nor like, do I have to, prove, nor did I say just like, so. Just like, no, I'm not saying you said so. I'm not saying, I, I'm approaching faith from a secular point of view after I just did from a biblical point of view. Now, take miracles, for example. You cannot prove that miracles don't happen. That takes faith on your part. No, Why? it doesn't. Because it doesn't take faith. But thank you for admitting. Thank you for admitting. And to approach the miraculous, you have to have re replicability as well as naturalism. You have to have a natural understanding of the science as well. So if you lop my arm off and it starts to grow back, we could say, absolutely, this is a miracle. But it takes faith. But you would not say that's a miracle, and you would not say it takes any faith, because you wouldn't even look at it as potentially a miracle that assumes faith, because it's not testable scientifically from an atheistic perspective. Wait, that is testable. So it completely, that is, that is... It, it completely hinges on two opposite points of view. Wait, wait, that right. is exactly testable. That is literally Yeah, and you're, you're also using equivocation. Wait, so so let, me, let me jump in here for a second, Oren. Um, if you say that I believe a God exists, and if I pray to God, he's going to regrow my arm, and then you pray to God and your arm starts to regrow, that's a testable prediction, and that would be evidence of your God. It wouldn't be proof, but it would be evidence. So that is, by definition, testable. There's no faith there at all. That is literally an observable, testable. You're missing people. my point. I agree with that. You're missing my point, though. My point is, if a scientist or, say, a doctor, if you have a doctor in a lab, and all of a sudden you bring somebody in, and you, the arm is gone, and it grows back, it's impossible to test if that's a miracle, because you need replicability as well as they're gonna look for a natural cause. They're not gonna look for the miraculous. That's the point. You're going a whole nother different direction, Tom. All right, we're okay, definitely well, gonna go well, with things that we already have evidence exists. We can't say, well, it's gonna be something we have no evidence for. Well, the whole point is things. you can't test for these things though. That, that's what I'm saying. But we can, I just, gave you, I just gave you an example of how we could test for miracles. How can you test for miracles? If yeah, I believe God the, the exists. Reason that that, that would be you need sufficient. replicability and you need a natural cause. That's what a scientist miraculous if you go based off of those. Yes, you can. So I can prove this. Pieces. I can prove this to you right now. We can absolutely 100% right test for any miracle Please. anytime you want. Just future testable prediction. I believe God exists. I pray to God to do X, anything you want. God can be the cause. If that so, happens, 
that's evidence. It has to be something new. It can't be something we already know. Like that would be a fact. So, so the doctor would, would not look for a naturalistic yep. cause. You not. So if your arm grows back, the doctor would stand there and say, oh, wow, what a beautiful miracle. Or would he say, wait, there's no naturalistic cause as well as there's no replication that yeah, we No, can... we'd say none of that. We'd say absolutely yeah. none of that. You wouldn't that's... use the miraculous. No, we would, we would they'd say none of that. So all science is, is novel testable predictions. You come up with a hypothesis, yes, any hypothesis you want. You can you could be miracles, magic, magical, pixie, leprechauns, whatever My you want. My whole point, let's not get too far sidetracked, because no, no, the I, I wanna... whole point in saying this was simply testability and how we right, cannot right. prove things as easily as Aaron was saying. No, that's, that's exactly the point. That's exactly, that's, that's exactly the point that I'm addressing here. My, my name is Aaron, Aaron by the way, yes, and, and as Tijup was talking about, yeah, that, that would be sufficient evidence. Evidence is a fact that indicates. Now, Christianity, when I said you, you were using equivocation, it's common that believers always switch to faith in one's spouse over faith in a God, because in the dictionary, you have these two completely unrelated contexts that have nothing to do with each other, where one is nothing but a, with nothing but a trust, and the other one has a suffix and a prefix added to it where trust becomes a complete trust that is not based on evidence. That's the definition of faith. So, and that's the one, that's the one. John, John chapter 21, you have 100% you have Thomas, doubting Thomas coming to Jesus. And Jesus says, doubting Thomas, yes, be, blessed is he who has not seen. You believe, you believe because you saw. Gentlemen, all of the evidence. Yeah, you believe because you saw. But blessed is he who has not seen and but believe. And what is he saying? Thank though? you. What does I he like mean by that? What we He's saying based on he the means you're supposed to believe without one, evidence. One second. Okay. I'm so sorry to have muted you guys. I'm so sorry to do this. They they can't hear you. They, so basically right now, uh, just to maybe redirect us, I, I think a definition of faith debate is a fun and interesting one. Absolutely, I agree. I think that just to steer us back to the soul in particular, I think that'd be kind of more germane if it's okay, guys. They're going to continue to strawman my position while while falsely accusing me of misquoting them while they're strawmanning me. He just pulled my evidence and tried to use my evidence against me. And then he said that Doubting Thomas had all this evidence. But no, he didn't because Jesus showed up in disguise so that nobody could recognize him. So no, Thomas didn't have evidence. Thomas was completely justified in demanding evidence. And then we're told this bogus story that is supposed he to- He didn't talk to the disciples before. And then, Thomas, and then Thomas did he talk to the disciples before? Exactly. And then Thomas totally wrong. Mean exactly. Check it out. He had eyewitness Check reports from out. the other disciples what that they saw Jesus risen from the dead. So That's a yeah, really, he, okay, pardon my pardon my interruption, but we, we just did redirect us really quick is that I, I do understand how this is important and it came up in the debate, so I don't blame anybody for addressing it, but maybe just to shelve it for now and maybe we can come back to it later and if we steer back to the soul. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. It happens in every debate I have. The believer always tries to push their religion on them. Oh, atheism is a religion. No, it's not. Your 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 lack of faith is a faith. No, it's not. Your lack of religion is a religion. No, it's not. Quit trying to push your own bullshit onto me. I'm great not going to have it. I don't have a religion. I don't have faith. And you don't have evidence. That's it. You did straw man. Okay, just a good, if we just, if we can take it back to we do really have to take it back to the actual topic so can I try to translate that into an argument that we can go back to the, the topic with so from our perspective we don't have faith at all we just have evidence we evidence is just any any way we can differentiate is our hypothesis imaginary or is it real 
And novel testable predictions is how we do that. We have lots of novel testable predictions that indicate our conclusion. So we have evidence, not faith. Why do you think that ours qualifies as faith? Now, I, I totally grant that yours would qualify as faith because I don't see you as having any evidence that can differentiate imagination from reality. But why would you call our position faith? Because we clearly do. Because when you go home tonight, you're going to have to relate to another human being. And every single relationship that you have is a faith relationship. You don't prove a person. You gather evidence that the person is reliable, is credible, and trustworthy. And then based on the evidence, you make a commitment. That is faith. And when you go down the road, and when you come to a green light, and you see another car coming down the other road, you don't stop at the green light to make sure that the other car has stopped. Instead, you go right through the green light, trusting that the state does not grant licenses to irresponsible people who drive through their red light and smack into the side of your car, sending you to an early grave. And when you go to the pharmacist, you take the bottle of medicine, you don't take it home and chemically uh, analyze the context. Instead, you trust that the state does not give pharmaceutical licenses to irresponsible people. Mind if I I would like to... I think I got your point there, but that none of that's faith. That's just induction. I don't know why you're calling induction faith. It's why trust. are you calling induction faith? No, it no, it's just trust. induction. It's not proof. It's trust based on yeah. evidence of reliability. That's just called induction. I don't know why you're calling induction faith. I think I'm it's literally just... you make decisions that are not proven. It's based on evidence of reliability. That, that's just literally the definition of induction. Yes, steer us away from induction. The, the epistemology topics definitely important. I agree but maybe more back to the kind of the core argument. No, this, this is directly soul. related to the topic. He said, we have faith. And I'm saying, no, we have evidence. And you're claiming we have faith. So no, it doesn't seem like it, it seems like we have no, evidence. No, it's not, Tom. I'm sorry. But we're, so we're going to redirect more toward the arguments on whether or not there's a soul. Okay, well, reason, the point Arwen... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Tom. Uh, the point Arwen was bringing up is how do you like dem- demonstrably show that there is this extra thing that is beyond just the physical? That was the point he was asking for. How do you show that there is this soul thing at all? And because you mentioned before that you have there are like facts that are contradict our worldview or something. Like what are the facts that contradict our worldview? The way you live your life shows that you choose your actions. And when other people act towards you in a certain way, sometimes you a- approve of it and other times you disapprove of it. And when you disapprove of it, you don't buy the line, oh, I had to do that. You say, no, you chose to lie to me. You chose to cheat me, and I'm gonna hold you responsible for that. Or you chose to love me and to be a person of integrity. So you choose your actions, and you show that you believe that by realizing that other people choose their actions when they interact with you. Secondly, You reason through issues and other people reason through issues. And you're not just throwing it up against the wall right now. You're listening to me and trying to respond as intelligently as you're able to. And I'm listening to you and trying to respond as intelligently as I can to you. That's reasoning. You don't have to do it. You can be rude. We can start name calling. We can accuse each other of a lot of different things, or we can learn to be respectful and have a reasonable dialogue. You don't have to be reasonable. You can be very unreasonable. And you know that because you meet people who behave in an unreasonable way. You also make moral decisions and other people make moral decisions. And okay, nobody all that, has to make their moral decision. We choose right, but all of, that, all of that is exactly explained under naturalism and materialism. I don't know why any of that would indicate a soul. No, exactly. materialism reduces reality to just matter and energy. And your experience of life should inform you that there's more to reality than just matter and energy. Just You're not just be, a bag of molecules. 
but, but I am a bag of molecules. No. Right? You're not just a bag of molecules. You're a human being with a soul, a personhood. No, no, let's okay, just we'll, look, we'll let's get to the soul. Let's, let's just make sure we understand. We are bags of molecules, right? We have a physical body. We do have a physical body. Go. Now, we agree on that. All of us, all four of us agree. Now, uh, Tom and I agree that with or without a soul, we chemically brained animals reason and choose our actions. And we may be rational or we may be irrational, but it doesn't make any difference. Our chemistry, our physiognomy, our brains enable us to make these decisions and behave this way. So none of that changes when you say that what you have a self. Well, yeah, we know we have a self, but you make decisions. We know we make decisions. Show us where a soul is. Give us the extra thing that doesn't fit into our, our hypothesis already. Show us that, that magical extra thing. How do we test for your hypothesis? Uh, can I like, rephrase that just a little bit? If we are just material, why would our ability to make choices and reason, why would we not have that as just material? Why do you need some extra feature to be able to do those things? Because it seems like we can do those just fine, just on materialism. Why do you need the soul thing to do those things? Because materialism reduces reality to matter and energy, which means you are simply molecules in motion. Which are we reducing no or are you expanding? Decision. Instead, your molecules program you, determine how you relate, how you reason, what you choose morally. It's determined by the molecular balance or imbalance. I'm saying that's an incomplete view of reality. Yes, we have bodies, but there's more to us. There's a self, a soul. Okay, show us that extra thing. How do we know that extra thing exists? because of the way you experience life every single day, because of the way you hold people responsible for the decisions they make, for the way you hold people responsible for their ethics and morality. That's why you use the words should and ought. You should not have talked to me that way. And you're not okay. thinking that the answer is I had to. No, okay, so you say you should not have talked to me that way, which means I'm holding you responsible. You did so something So everything wrong. you're saying matches with our purely materialistic chemical minds. Where is the extra thing, that magical whatever it is that is a soul? How do, how do we, I, what is a soul anyway? Because you said it's self. Obviously, it's not self. We have a self, whether we have a soul or not. We disagree. We have a mind, I called it self. I said your soul is yourself. It's your personhood, your personality. We your have a personhood. We have, a, we have a self. Right at the start. Okay. Right. We would then, say then, the then, then we have a soul. If you're no. going to decide that, that a soul is just the self that we experience as, as our purely material self, then fine, we have a soul. If that's what it means, a purely material, physical experience of the, of the physical world, great, I have a soul. I would have thought that it was supposed to be some sort of supernatural thing that was supposed to like maybe survive the death of the physical body, something like that. But you're saying that, no, it's just the thing that we pure materialists already accept. Okay, fine. So pure materialism is correct. Thank you very much. I thought you were arguing for something else. Pure materialism is incomplete. We obviously have Show physical me what's bodies, missing. but there's more to us than physical bodies. Show me we have that. free will. We have rational abilities. How that is that go different? beyond the brain that go beyond molecules. There's okay. a me, a you. Show me over that and it over goes again, beyond molecules. And the only way there can be a soul and a real self is if there is more to reality than matter and energy. There's got to be Wait, some type I, of God who creates us with a soul. Can I ask about that? So what would be the difference between a free will, rationality, self that's all material versus free will rationality self that's immaterial like why why do you think those things are not possible under materialism 
because materialism reduces reality to matter okay, all he can do is energy. repeat himself it's a closed universe that's the problem with materialism and your experience of life should inform you you have closed reality too much you let me, shut let me it down clarify and you've a little bit limited reality to simple matter and energy. Let, let me That's you have expanded and reality your experience to of life should tell you that there's a lot more to reality than just matter and energy. Okay, so can, our can experience I, shows us all the material things we already accept, and now you want to stretch or exaggerate reality to include this other thing. Now, you've, you've already described things that we know and understand that we have, the self, free will, if we have it, that, that, how we determine our actions and make our rational choices. All that we have as pure materialists. Show us where there's a soul and what a soul is that isn't already something we already accept. If you're a pure materialist, it's real simple, guys. Can, can if you're a pure bit? materialist, you don't choose. Cliff, can I if you're a pure materialist, why do we not choose? Which because you don't have a will of your own. But we do have a will. No, you don't. Cliff, Cliff, if can matter can I and energy is all there is. You don't have a free will. Then we, yeah, matter and energy determines our will. Wait, what wait, the wait, hell wait, is wrong with that? Why do you keep let repeating me, irrelevance? Let me, let me jump in here for a second. So I can build a chair out of wood, or I can build it out of metal, or I can build it out of glass or plastic. Any of those things all build the chair. We can have free will built purely out of matter and energy. We can have reason built purely out of matter and energy. We can have self built purely out of matter and energy. Like all of the things you mentioned can be made purely out of matter and energy. Now, not all materialists are determinists. Um, so all of those things you mentioned can be made just on materialism. Um, so why do you keep saying, you keep asserting that it just can't because it reduces things to matter? Well, you're reducing things to supernatural instead of material. He's, he's exaggerating to supernatural. He's going the other way. So he wants to add some other thing to the reality we already accept. And then he wants to redefine that other thing as the thing we already accept. He, he came into this debate with the purpose of proving this other thing. And that other thing isn't the self that we already have as materialists. It isn't our decision-making ability, which we have as materialists without a soul. We have all these things without a soul. The only thing we would have with a soul is a continued existence after the death of the physical body. That's it. That's, that would yeah, be that the only significant too. difference I can think of. We can have wrong. that material too, like from the matrix. But so, so my question was how you said we can't have these things under materialism, but I think we definitely can. Like we can build a soul we and, definitely free will do. and all of those things just on materialism. What? Go ahead. If you're a materialist, sir, you are matter and energy. End right. of story. You don't okay. have you're a supernatural free yourself, will right? that's disconnected from your urges. Why would you? What why would you imagine when a body is is bleeding in the ocean? A shark instinctually eats the human. What does a human do? A human can ignore the person, or the human could try and save the person. And you're saying but animals don't have this choice? Human being has a free will. I, I we just no don't idea. operate by instincts. I have instincts that I contradict. Guess what, guys? I don't feel like forgiving. My I'm instinct not... is not to forgive, but I am capable of exercising my free will and choosing to I, forgive. I gotta jump in here because as Christians, you can't have free will because there's contradictions in your own belief system that don't allow it. But at least we have the ability to have free will and we have the mechanism that gives us that and you're supposed to be arguing for something else outside of the mechanism that gives us free will. You're supposed to be arguing for something not material. Do you have evidence that there's something not material? Something of a soul, perhaps, that isn't the self that we materialists already accept that we have chemically. 
Um, okay, so you want us to try and prove to you the immaterial things that, say, I brought up earlier in terms of morality, justice, love, consciousness. I mean, how do we test for that? I think that's our exact well, Why point. don't you just redefine it? When you have it. a creative mind, when you have a personable God who created... No, no, even when you don't have a personable God. How does that even when you don't have a God, you still, you, he'll still have the creative mind. A naturalistic perspective and with or without a God, we still have a creative mind. Material. With or without a God, we still have a creative mind. You're supposed to give me that other thing that we wouldn't have. You, you don't have a creative mind without a God. No, you do. No, you don't. You yeah, definitely you do. You use your creative mind to create your God. No. You definitely your don't mind need is a, a gift from the creator. Okay, no, I, that's your I, I assumption, like to, and it is false. No, I like that. And every neuroscientist will support simple, that guys, that is false. Simple. The rational comes from the rational. The rational does not come from the non-rational. It's that simple. Wait, if you, you don't understand arguing, it, it is that simple. Right, right, I'd, like I'd like to pick up on that. I'd like to pick up on that. That makes so, no sense. Cliff. The rational comes from the rational. You're, you're believing a miracle that the rational comes from the non-rational. I do not believe in a miracle. I cannot accept I, that because you don't have a miracle. Jump in here? I'm no sorry, can I, can I jump in here? So, Cliff, what you just said was the rational comes from the rational. That sounds seems to be a composition division fallacy. Like if I said you have no no wall can be made of bricks because you can only get bricks from more bricks, and that clearly does, doesn't make sense. We have these things called emergent properties where you take smaller pieces and you add them together and you get this new property from the combination of smaller pieces. So clearly you can get rationality from things that don't have rationality, just like you can get a wall from things that are not a wall, like bricks, because no brick is a wall. So it seems like your argument was just a classic composition division fallacy, but I'd still like to ask you, how do you, because you keep saying we can't have these things under materialism, but it seems like, just like we think we're made of matter, you think we're made of something supernatural, we think we're made of something natural. And so since just like we're reducing things to natural, you're reducing things to supernatural, but it seems like just like your supernatural can produce these things, well, so can our natural. It doesn't seem to be any reason that we can't naturally have free will or consciousness or the self. It just seems to be like something you're asserting that you assume or you feel like only the supernatural can do. But I don't see any reason you provided to actually support that claim. Just read B.F. Skinner from Harvard. Just read any I have. good behaviorist. I have. Just read any good determinist. I have. You have no free will. Uh, if you why, limit why, reality to matter and energy, why does there you just do what you have to do because your molecules make you? Cliff, now, when you read the Bible, what you have is choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Okay. Yeah, so Jesus going saying, for God so loved the world that he okay. gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him, you don't have to, whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. G Jesus says God loves you which means God is a personal being, a rational being who makes a choice to love. God doesn't have to love, but he loves because he chooses to, because his character is good and loving. And then Christ calls us to respond to his you love. Kind of because we have to, but because we are free to choose to. But that's all based on the idea that we're not just rocks, bags of rocks. Okay. We're not just inanimate mm -hmm. matter. Can I respond? We'll give, all right, we'll kick it back over to okay, Arne so and Tom. Uh, Cliff, you mentioned a whole bunch of names of determinists. That's great, but none of them are relevant to my position. Like, you can't just list a determinist and say, well, they're right. Well, I mean, you haven't proven they're right at all. Like, I could just say, well, why don't you just read Vishnu? Because Vishnu is the only real God, and therefore it applies to your position too. Well, obviously not. You can't just list determinists and think that their conclusion is correct because their well, then conclusion... give me a good point, Tom. I'm waiting. Give me a good point that backs up that free will, love, meaning in life, Rationality can come from the non-rational, the non-living. He just did. 
I no, he didn't, did. you, and you missed I'm waiting. It. No, he did not. No, okay, okay, yeah, he did. I'm waiting. He okay, did. Okay, he was okay, explaining okay. emergent properties, which I know, I know believers. I know believers don't understand that. Quite well. Yeah, believers, believers want to pretend that everything happens from an administrator down, but actually, emergent patterns rise from the bottom up. Interesting. Now, really Tom, is. what is your point? Okay, so Cliff, you said rationality cannot come from non-rationality. Correct. So I could say walls cannot come from non-walls. Now, obviously, that's false because bricks aren't walls, but you can build a wall out of bricks. So the fact that you have uh, walls can come from non-walls, likewise rationality can come from non-rationality and we can demonstrate this because we can uh build a stochastic system there's a paper written by uh shannon uh in 1964 on information theory that shows that information can come from stochastic random non-information based systems so we can demonstrate demonstrably prove that rationality can come from non-rationality and have done so and to say it cannot is a composition division fallacy just like saying walls cannot come from non-walls like we can prove that does not work well, just think it through. Rationality does not come from matter and energy. Yes, it, it does. comes from a mind that is right, able which comes to from think. matter and energy. And bricks and rocks don't think. You cannot have rationality coming from out of non-rationality. Yes, you can. And it's you an can't show property. that. Well, then show it to me. How do you get rationality from the non-rational? Uh, you you did put, just explain that there are emergent properties, that patterns of emergence that, that come from micro components, which do not possess those those attributes as the individual component, but only attain them as a collective. Just like you can you can tear your computer down and it doesn't have the abilities that your that your amassed computer does in the different parts that it has. And just like he was talking about with the wall, right? A brick is not a wall, but these are emergent properties. These are these are things categories of emergence where it becomes the thing that the increment wasn't that the particle that makes it up wasn't you are not an atom for example well what about and Iran's, it doesn't matter that it, whether rocks think or not what about iran's external versus internal life when we think about your internal life the collection of memories of emotions that you have stemming mm -hmm. perhaps even from your religious upbringing there's some good thoughts good memories bad memories no. But if I lop off the top of your head, am I going to be able to find those memories? That's why I think that your analogy with oh, that computer ultimately fails. Pretty much. I just had a debate like this with with a guy a couple of months ago, and I have to tell you that that hundreds, hundreds of comments when he's made a statement very like what you just said, hundreds of comments unanimously said he was an idiot. I mean, there's not going to be anybody. There's not going to be anybody in the comments. There's not going to be anybody in the comments that will listen to what you just said and give you credit for it. That was a stupid thing to say. You haven't said a single stupid thing. I promise. Truth is not determined by the number of votes you get. Come on, Art. People, the majority of people think the Earth was flat. That doesn't make the Earth flat. Truth is not determined by popular opinion. Come on, Art. Nor did I imply that in any way. You talked about hundreds of people. Five to ten minutes. Come on, Art. Consistently. I do have to mute for a second. Okay, so we want to go in about five to ten minutes into the Q and A. Thing but misrepresent me. I did not remotely in any way imply that that popularity determines truth. These guys are deliberately misrepresenting me. I did not mean anything like that, and that is clear. 
I you said that nobody, nobody, zip, zero, nobody would respect the thing that he said because it was so stupid. Okay, it's definitely. It's not just a stupid thing that he said. It's also the reason that he said it was stupid because it is a misrepresentative, a misrepresentation of my position. Again, which is all that he can do. Which is why he's smiling like an ass because all they can do is misrepresent my position, and that's it. That's all they've got. This guy with the curly hair and the green shirt. All he's done is repeat the same mistake that me and Tom have repeated again and again and again, but he can't correct himself. He can't realize that, oh, that's a straw man. Maybe I should fix that. You know what? Hey, <laughs> fix that. Stop repeating the same damn mistake. It's not going to get better the more times you repeat it. All righty. All right. We do out, have to go into, let's see, we've probably got about five to 10 minutes. Um, and then we'll probably go into the Q&A. So, if uh, kind of just maybe summary phrases from each side. Well, and... I kind of wanted to pick up on what Cliff said. He said, if you cut off your head, you won't be able to find the memories. Well, we can actually, we literally have done that. There's a case with, I believe it was monkeys or cats where we would show them a visual stimulus uh, and we could then kill them and cut open their brain and put it on a certain kind of radiometric paper and literally see the thing they were visualizing in their mind. So we can actually find exactly the memories that you are having and the thoughts you are having in your brain if we cut off your head. That is literally a thing we can do. Well, and the guy that I had a debate with last month, when he made a similar statement, he said, so is the music on the CD? And I said, yes, the music is on the CD. And he says, so if we break the CD, does the music fall out? No, that's somebody trying to be stupid. That's not somebody who's actually thinking seriously. Yes, we can cut the monkey's brain out and we can find that data. There's been studies that shown that how we can actually show images within the mind in physical terms, using physical means. Yes, that actually happens. Now, don't try to misrepresent my position anymore. Show me. We understand that we have a self. We have the ability to make decisions. We have free will. Now, I know that you have a false assumption that you need your magic imaginary friend to have what the brain chemically can produce for us, but you're still wrong. You're supposed to you're supposed to not only show that all the neuroscientists are wrong, you're supposed to show that there's this extra thing, this this immortal ghostly aspect of ourselves that doesn't have anything to do with whether we have a self or make decisions. You're supposed to show that this extra thing, we all agree that we have physical bodies. Great, we've got that. We have minds, we have selves, we have decisions, we have will. Great, now show us the extra thing the soul that passes on after we die. Show us that. Show us that we're, we're mistaken in not exaggerating shit that ain't there. When you say we're reducing the world down to, to, down to what it is, no, you're exaggerating adding in shit that isn't. Would you like us to scientifically show you that? I think to prove it to you or, this or these immaterial things? A good opportunity where <laughs> we, uh, we've heard from each side. And so given that uh, the... Skeptic side had started, we can give you just a quick pithy response. So like something like the same amount of time that Arin and Tom just used to make their points for Cliff and Stuart before we go to Q&A. Oh, uh, Cliff, I definitely like to hear your thoughts on what I mentioned about how we could measure. We can actually measure the thoughts in a brain if you have a chance. I mean, look, I would be incredibly, I, I was the one who said that. I would be incredibly impressed if I saw that, Tom, I have not seen those studies. Perhaps you have them. Please send them along to me. Uh, I'm not fully convinced that just because it happened, what, a couple times on a monkey, that it's going to happen on us. I, I think, you know, Ben Carson was the one who stated that that absolutely cannot happen. I'm certainly saying Ben doesn't get everything right. 
But I, I think the whole the whole idea of this absolutely happening is is going to be problematic because because he stated clearly that as a brain surgeon, as a neurosurgeon, that there is no way you can actually take somebody's memories and lop their head off and literally through fMRI scans or CAT scans, whatever kind of scans you want to do, somehow access their memories and write them down on a piece of paper. We can show you those studies from neuroscientists. And the only reason we can't can't show it to you from Ben Carson is because he shows evidence that he's been practicing on himself. (laughs) So perhaps we move on here. Uh, James, how much time do we have here? I would say maybe a few minutes. Uh, We definitely want to jump into the Q&A as soon as possible. By the way, folks, to respect the time of the debaters, we may not get get to read every single question that's come in. I, I'm going to try really hard. I gave a warning in the live chat, but as especially as of this moment, any that come in after this, like, uh, I don't know if we're going to get to read it. So just a heads up, warning about that. Maybe just a few minutes uh, in terms of pithy responses to, to wrap us up, if you guys feel it's needed. I'm I'm just trying to find that source because I I definitely know there is a Sean Carroll recently did a Mindcast podcast with one of the neuroscientists who actually did the studies, and she specifically gave this quote, which is where I got it from. So I, I definitely have it, and I will send it to you as soon as I find it. Yeah, Sean Sean Carroll also did a series of presentations explaining why the soul is impossible. Might want to look those up too. Well, I'd love to hear his definition of the soul. I mean, one big piece of the soul we didn't cover tonight is being created in the image of God. If we are imaging God, that has a lot to do with our soul and the innate value that we have. I heard Aran speak a little bit of nihilism earlier and his opening statements. And it was fascinating in terms of meaning in life and purpose in life. And if you're created by a loving creator who has lived throughout time in a trinity, a perfect loving community rather than Allah or one of these other strictly monotheistic religions where it's just one person. You can't experience love throughout time with just one person. No, that's why the Trinity is so beautiful. And then he imprints his image onto us. And then you know what happened in the Roman Empire. The slave owner relationship changed drastically. Literally every single orifice of a slave was treated as a urinal for the slave owner. And then what happened? All of a sudden Luke Ferry talks about it. You have this incredible understanding and this imprint of Jesus Christ coming, dying on the cross, understanding that we are created in his image, God humbling himself to the point of even dying, not just being with us. And that was completely earth shattering. You look okay, at how so you know you're arguing in, for how it traveled into Europe and see the problem. My concern here, we talk about ideas as shaping culture. I don't think humanism, I don't know if you guys are humanists, but I don't think humanists ultimately are going to be able to fix our world's problems. Case in point, who are humanists I mean, look chart the last 25 conferences that were humanists humanist conferences Only one them. of them was outside of a western country okay it, it was all white western areas it does not travel well being but made in the we, image of god and having a soul i think is way more durable it's not proof that god exists by no means but being created in the image of god having a soul gives everybody indelible worth and value. That's why if you look at many countries now where you have a 30% increase of abortion rates in order to do away with those with Down syndrome, or you look at the Alzheimer's epidemic and how we are just completely cutting off people with Alzheimer's. Okay, no longer does the soul or being imaged in God create indelible worth in those types of people. That's what Christianity has sustained and given the world 
throughout for the last 2,000 years. And if it goes away, good luck replacing it with something. Apart from the misinformation, you also spouted a lot of irrelevant nonsense, but you, you said nothing that had anything to do with us actually having a soul. No, no argument for the existence of a soul. You've, you've jumped to your apologetics to a failed belief system, which we were not supposed to be arguing. You tried to argue for a God, which is not supported by any damn thing. And you tried to argue for this belief system that you, you've assumed with absolutely no question. And without any evidence whatsoever, I must add, but you didn't add anything that was an argument that was supposed to be the thing you agreed to come here tonight and argue for, which is the existence of a soul. And and you didn't take us down the the whole trail path. I mean, the, the crazy path of different religions and truth. Well, I didn't and what have to. Is. You've been fully on soul, right? Yeah, absolutely not. You have not been anywhere close to focusing on the topic at hand. So don't, don't try and now straw man us somehow or somehow make this ridiculous claim that we have done this. No, no, no. Oh, I'm the right. one making but the ridiculous nice. claim. Okay. I I'm think done. it was nice that we, we jumped to different jump into the Q&A. We do have our first question. Thanks so much for your questions, folks. Want to let you know, as a reminder, we're a nonpartisan channel. We hope you feel welcome here, whether you be Christian, atheist, you name it. We really do hope you feel included. And so, Matthew Steele, thanks for your question. So, I'm a little bit, I'm trying to wrap my head around it. They said, can you justify the possibility of anything, such as a soul, without presupposing it first? I suppose if you... Cliff or Stuart want to respond in terms of if you think one of your arguments did or didn't presuppose the existence of a soul from the start? You, you bet. My whole argument that the soul exists is not by presupposing there's a soul. It's a result of looking at your experience of life. Look at how you choose your actions. Look at how you reason through issues. Look at how you make free moral decisions and look how you self-reflect. Based on that observation of your experience and my experience, the evidence is there is more to you than simply a bag of molecules. There's a you that goes beyond the chemicals, that goes beyond the electromagnetic reactions. There's a real you that makes decisions. Some of your physical instincts are to rape, to hate, to seek revenge. You don't have to do that. You experience a free will that clearly points you to, there's more to you than a bag of chemicals. There's a real self, a real independent you. That is your soul. Just to cr try to crush through as many questions as possible. I hate rushing you guys, forgive me for that. But FT, thanks for your support. They said, thanks so much everybody for being here tonight. So I couldn't Thank these guys enough. Aaron, Tom, Cliff, and Stuart. Thank you guys. And reminder, folks, they're linked in the description just for you. Mike Billars, thanks for your super chat, says, Where was my soul before my body was born? Do souls, quote, unquote, remember anything? If so, why don't I remember before I was born? I think that's for you, Cliff and Stuart. Go ahead. I'll just get part of it. I mean, the biblical response would be that you are created body and soul at the same time. But it gets back to Iran's original point. It is the breath that God breathes into you. He breathes life into us. So that's where we think we become. And that's where we deviate, obviously, greatly from a naturalistic perspective, where it's just your born body. No, God imprints. That's why I just went off on my long monologue on being created in the image of God. 
where it is a soul that he gives us, that we're created in his image. We have that much value and worth. If you go to a suicidal person, good luck just talking about simply a body and giving them a reason to live. So often I do talk about soul in counseling with people and how, how do you know it's your life that you have the right to take? No, you're created in the image of a loving God. It's his right to give or take life. Gotcha. And thanks for your question, or I should say this one, want to let you know, if you're an atheist channel, we already have a Christian channel doing an after show. That's John Maddox, who said epic after show and open mic starts in five minutes. That's linked in the description and also in the live chat. So if there's an atheist channel that wants to do an after show, let us know. We'll link you guys as we want to link anybody who does it, no matter what your view is. Next up, Thanks for your question. This comes in from Sunflower, who says, if you feel as though you're choosing your actions and not just being strung along on a deterministic path, compare yourself to someone who doesn't feel as though they're choosing their actions. What accounts for that difference in feeling? There are a lot of different possibilities. Addiction, being brainwashed, having a psychological imbalance, there are lots of different reasons why some people might feel, I just don't choose my actions. But I can promise you, the vast majority of humanity is totally aware of the fact we choose our actions. That's why we hold each other responsible. Gotcha, thanks so much. And thanks for your question. This one comes in from Matthew Steele. I think this one's for you, are. And they said, can you present the foundation of your belief system about the fact of reality without using any presuppositions whatsoever i don't use any presuppositions whatsoever anyway so that yeah that would be relatively easy the fact is what we as i said the fact is what is demonstrably true objectively verifiable data is the definition of what a fact is now hume gave the argument that that we we are forced forced with no choice of our own to make the same assumption that a beast or a baby would that our senses are providing some kind of accurate information and anything else would be literally madness because it's impossible to function any other way. Now science conducts by testable hypotheses. And as I said, if, 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 a, if a hypothesis is disproved, of course it's discarded or you know, necessarily revised. Uh, but otherwise, if it is supported, it's never proven true. It may elevate to theory, but then the theory may never be proven true. It can be supported by absolutely everything, just like evolution is, supported by absolutely every single study ever and never contradicted once, but we can still never declare it to be proven. So I don't have to have any presuppositions beyond what I'm absolutely forced with no choice of my own to accept. That is that there is some form of reality, that there are other minds, that a mind independent reality, and that there are other minds independent of my own, and that my senses are providing some kind of truthful information. That's it. I would tend to agree. So I start, I have no presuppositions in my worldview at all. I just start with, I think, therefore I am, and then build a knowledge of reality off of that. So I have no presuppositions in my worldview at all. I also don't have a commitment to a belief system. I don't have to believe what I do. I'm, I'm, I only want to not be fooled into believing something that isn't true. I don't want to believe something if it's not true. And I won't believe something unless I'm compelled to by the evidence. When it gets to the point where it becomes obscene to deny that thing, well, then I have to accept that this is the most evidently supported. But I'm open to be wrong because if I'm not, 
wouldn't it be better to be proven wrong, even if it's embarrassing, wouldn't it be better to be proven wrong in a public display of humiliation than to continue to be wrong? Mm -hmm. Now, Christians don't have a problem with being wrong forever on purpose, but I do. And so I don't want to be fooled by misinformation. I don't want to believe things that are false, that are not evidently true. And every religion makes only two kinds of statements, things that are not evidently true and things that are evidently not true. That's it. None of them can show the truth of their position. Say, beware of false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ferocious wolves. Obviously, Jesus was demanding that we have skepticism, that we honestly doubt, that we do not blindly believe. Because if we blindly believe, we will have our lunches eaten by false teachers. And that's exactly what Jesus taught. I do have to get so let's be honest with the text. Let's be honest with what Christ did. Yeah, I'm always honest. Blindly believe. That's, that's my default open. position is honest. I could be wrong. You're not going to find me in any other position than honest, ever. So then Paul also says that there are angels on the earth who are misleading people. Well, how the, how the hell are we mere humans supposed to stand up to an angel misleading us? But if that's the case then I damn sure am not going to believe any religious prophet at all. You're going to have to show me something more than just your word. Gotcha. Next up, I do. So Sunflower wanted me to ask this specifically to you, Aaron and Tom. They said, if you feel as though, so this originally, we uh, Cliff and Stewart answered, and I frankly couldn't even tell who it was for. They said, if you feel as though you're choosing your actions and not just being strung along via determinism, compare yourself to someone who doesn't feel as though they're choosing their actions. And they're saying, like, what accounts for the difference in this feeling of people who feel that they're just on a deterministic path and other people who might think that they have this kind of feeling of full-blown libertarian free will? background knowledge i mean it's just a trained belief like people who believe the world is flat or people who believe in vishnu as opposed to christianity it's just a learned belief system if you have the correct background knowledge it will inform your belief about whether your choices are free or whether your choices are determined because of my knowledge in philosophy and logical contradictions and free will then i fully feel as if all of my actions are determined by prior reasons and i have no feeling that they're free in any sense at all or that i could have done otherwise like if i could have gone back in time i'm fully i fully believe that i would have made every single same choice i have so far and it was impossible for me to choose otherwise gotcha and thanks so much for your question this one is for you tom jump it's from matthew Steele. he says do you consider it possible that the soul or consciousness and or the mind exist in as much as any idea exists um sure i mean yeah like like I mentioned to Stuart and Cliff earlier, it's possible to have all of those things on a purely materialistic worldview. There's no difference between those things being composed of material things as opposed to being composed of supernatural things. No matter what they're made of, they could just be made of just like a chair, it could be made of wood or plastic or metal. All of those things can exist and be made of material things as well as supernatural things. There's no, there's no reason to assume that they couldn't be material unless you're just selecting those specific interpretations of materialism that reject those things, which are you d shouldn't do. Gotcha. This one comes. Yeah, I in. also want to I want to throw in an, an answer that's slightly different than, than Tom's for the question previous that was for both of us. If I could go back in time to my former self, I would make a whole lot of, of, of my decisions completely differently, based just on different information. Does that what does that mean about my free will? I had free will on misinformation and you know maybe a different hormonal level, 
But on the new information that I have, different decisions entirely. Gotcha. And thanks for your question. This one comes in from Mike Billars. I think I know the answer to this, but who knows? Cliff and Stuart, let me know. You might uh, surprise us. They ask, does Jesus have a soul and is God a soul? I don't know if they Yes. Jesus had a soul, has a soul. God has a soul, meaning by that, God is a personal being. God is not an it. God is not the force. God is not simply the higher power. God is a personal being, meaning by that, God has personhood. God has a soul in the sense of personhood. There, there are only two people on the face of the planet since the inception of time that the question was asked, not just who are you, but what are you? That was Buddha and Jesus. Jesus has really been marked as one of the most beautiful figures in terms of how his character is held in tension in terms of his tremendous humility and courage. You rarely see those types of characteristics held in tension like that. Jesus clearly had a soul in a way that connected with people. And that's why all of a sudden you, people were asking, who is this guy? What is he? He's not just man. He's actually God in human form. Gotcha. And yeah, you. I got to throw in that, that that Krishna was also presented the same question in the Bhagavad Gita. So it's it's not just Jesus and Buddha. There have been plenty of others. That was Houston Smith, top religious scholar, who said that. Next up, stupid whore energy strikes again. She says, just because we don't have free will doesn't mean the brain doesn't take exhortative inputs. I think she's meaning inputs that would like cause us to be guided a certain way. Who's, who, to whom is that question oh, that's directed? For, uh, I think for Cliff and Stuart. Okay. Any other questions? It's compatibilism. We can have we can make choices without having free will. Here you go, Tom. Appreciate gotcha. That. We next luminiferous Ethan says. Let's see. Uh, so we're looking for serious questions here only. Michael McCaffrey, thanks for yours. Said Tom Jump quoting you they say we choose for reasons or randomly and they said is this question begging by defining free choice as such can you conceive a world where free choice would exist uh no it wouldn't be question begging because i'm not asserting this to be like a proof i'm saying this is the only possibilities i can see if you can insert another possibility then that would then of course be the option instead but as far as i know it's deductive so it's either p or not p either you do something for prior reasons in which case if you could go back in time and you had the exact same like physical constitution of the universe, those same reasons would cause you to make the same choice 100% of the time, no matter what. So the reasons are going to determine your choice. Or if there are no reasons, and it's essentially just like a roll of the dice, then if you go back in time, it might come up with a different choice just because it was random. But those are the only real two options I can imagine are logically possible. So I don't think it's possible for there to be a free will unless it's this third kind of mysterious thing out there that hasn't just hasn't been demonstrated yet which maybe but i don't really think so gotcha and on the on the issue of free will i mean we are controlled to a degree by our our conditioning how we were raised you know our, our personal experiences do have a huge effect not just our physiognomy but our personal experiences do have an effect on us but it's not absolute so it isn't the dichotomy i know religious thinkers like you know black or white good or evil you know either or but very few things are actually that way. So we have a percentage. It's, it's more like if, you were, if you're used to playing you know, role-playing games where you roll the dice and you have like a plus or minus on your, on your roll, that's what it is. You know, your, 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 in your cultural upbringing and so forth add a certain percentage, but you still have a degree 
of your own ability to make that decision. But you're, you, uh -huh. again, you have to base it on information. So yes. it's, it's arguable how much free will we have. You bet. Gotcha. Next up, in a purely real, in a purely materialistic universe. We, let's see. John Maddox, thanks for your question. Said, let's see. Come to the after show, and that's linked in the description. Let me know if there's an atheist channel that wants to host one as well. Alan Green, thanks for your question. Said, shouldn't our predecessor species, Homo erectus, also have a soul? Since evolutionary mutations were slow and gradual and their predecessor and so on. So I think they're saying from an evolutionary perspective, shouldn't it be the case that you could think of organisms having a soul on a spectrum type basis? Or what would you think, Cliff and Stuart? I think this is for you. Are you guys with me still? You look like it must be very cold where they frozen. are. They appear to be yeah. frozen. Yeah, I think oh, frozen. we lost them. Okay, well, <laughs> we uh, let's see. Hopefully, we get them back. We uh, but this this is just turnabout is fair play. We lost them just now. They lost me as soon as they started talking. We'll let's see. We've got we can read some other super chats of love, or I suppose even questions for uh, Aaron and Tom while we wait for them to come back. We do have one in particular. Let's see, John Maddox once again says, come to the after show for crying out loud. Open mic, and Mike Billar says, only if I get to sing YMCA on your open mic. Thanks for that. Next, we do have a question for, let's see how many we have for Tom and Aaron while we're waiting. Tom. Well, I do want to mention, I did find the sort citation of the brain cutting open thing and measuring the ideas. It was the Aaron Zidel from How Brain Scientists Think About Consciousness starting at exactly 12 minutes on the, Sh the Sean Carroll podcast. Gotcha. And Tom, we have a question from Jay Shy for you. Said, Tom, the soul is the form of your body. Animals have material souls, but humans have intellect and will. We can know universals and abstract forms outside of our senses, like laws of logic and morals. Uh, laws of logic are a language made up by humans. They're not universals in that sense. Uh, universals, the, I'm a conceptualist, so they just exist in our head. They don't actually exist in the world. So lo logic is just a language we use to describe the things we experience in reality. They don't exist independent of humans. Um, Animals also can rational, can use rationality and reason and language. So all those things you mentioned, they can do it too, just to a lesser degree. Next. That's really cute. All right. We, uh, what kind of dog is that, Aaron? I can't hear. I got nothing but barking here. Shut up. <laughs> okay. Let's see. Let's see. Uh, Shut up. Sassy. Uh, next up, we oh we do have one. We have one for Aaron while we're waiting. Let's see. I think yep. Yeah, so they this is from Fire Mouse. Thanks for your question, said Aaron. You shut <laughs> up. They said you absolutely. Let's see. Let's see. They. Well, I think they're asking. Fire Mouse is asking why. Why did you mention that there were hundreds of people that believed the particular statement? I can't remember what it was that you mentioned they believed. Oh, I said it was consistent. There was not one person out of hundreds who said, oh, that's a that's a good point you have. No, that's absolutely every single person said, well, that was stupid. Gotcha. And it looks like we have Cliff and Stuart back. Stoked to have you guys. <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. We've never they must have here. prayed We're for fine. a better connection. 
<laughs> we're glad to have you back we have questions for you we've gotten to read a few while you were gone for Aaron and Tom and so we will jump right back to where we were and I will adjust the cam but in the meantime I'll give you guys a question this one comes in from let's see here awkward saint senior oh boy maybe someone else can let me know what this means it says proof of soul Killian aura photography our energy field, a.k.a. soul, end debate, soul is energy. Tom, Please let sounds... me take this one. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Curlian photography was the thing that fucked me up more than anything else. I was a 12-year-old boy. I was watching In Search Of, and they showed this thing where, where they had Leonard Nimoy as the host. And for whatever reason, in 1974, as a 12-year-old, I thought everything Leonard Nimoy said sounded logical. Right, so but he's hosting this show. It's supposed to be a science documentary. That's how it was built, but it was science fantasy. They made all of it up, and I didn't know that. So I thought things had to be vetted before they were on TV. So they, what they used to do is they used to have these photoelectric plates. They would put a leaf on the, in between the plates, and the, the the leaf you take a picture of it and you see it, but not as a photograph. You see it as as uh, electric energy, like these tiny little phosphorescent blue sparks. You see all the veins and everything, the shawl shape of the leaf. Then what they did is a trick, because that part's real. What is it is a trick is they cut the leaf in half, and then they show you only half of the leaf that you would expect to see. And then they said, but on an overexposure, you see the whole leaf. And I'm like, ah, there we go. Proof of life force. Because I'm an, I'm an ignorant 12-year-old in the 1970s being misled by public media. Next. And then as I... I grow up and I, re I get the internet and I'm like, you know, I haven't seen anything about curly and photography in a long time. So I start looking it up. The very first thing I come to is a statement by Leonard Nimoy about how they made all this stuff up just for entertainment value. And there was no truth to it. Gotcha. Uh, that was crushing see. to me. Uh, we next will read a question from to the theist from Roger Shrum says, does God have a choice in sending us earthquakes, tsunamis, diseases, etc.? Is that to us? Yes. Well, I, I, don't, I mean, choice, that's, that's an interesting way to phrase it, because this place is broken, it's messed up cosmically, sociologically, psychologically, because of our free will, when we decided to turn against God, and then all of a sudden all three of those spheres became mixed up and messed up. So God's sending things like pandemics or sending 9-11, supposedly, judging in that kind of way. I think God certainly corrects now, but the judgment was ultimately put on Jesus Christ at the cross. So to say that God sends pandemics, that's pretty hard looking at the New Testament. It is so sad listening to you guys and realizing that you are unable to question any of your assumptions Totally I really false. do pity you for that. So, so internally in scripture, Aaron, you have Aaron. David cursing out God incessantly. You have Job tearing his clothes, yelling at God. You have Peter because God made a God made a you deal have with so the many devil. Examples of people screaming and cursing at God, and yet God turns around and says to Job, "And all these things, Job, sin not. You did not sin at all in doing this. He allows you to doubt. He allows you to curse him out, and he's not going to smite you for it. I do doubting." all the time it's actually what grows my faith that's why this discussion is tremendously enlightening for me intellectually but it's also then why can't you question any of your assumptions what are, what are you, you questioning I mean, have i been questioning them less than you 
you, you have not questioned at all where I have. I've had to change my entire religious position multiple times over my life. You have I not. I ditched my faith in my, my freshman year of college. I pretty much ditched my faith. That's when I went on a search. But then I found For something. what? You want to argue about whether there's evidence? For what? Come back, we'll because do another debate where you can show me the evidence that Absolutely. convinced you it. of your position. I would love it. Let's God. do it. Question, does, does God have free will? That was kind of the point of the question. Does God have free will? I think that is. No, God does not have free will because he can't decide to forgive let's, unbelievers. Let's hear from Clifton Stewart, and then we'll jump to the next one. All right. God obviously has chosen to partially limit his power by giving us a free will, which means I can take my hand and smack someone in the face. That is not God smacking him. It is me choosing to smack the person. God has partially limited his power by giving me a free will. Next, John Maddox, thanks for your support, says, hit like on this debate. It's epic. All credit to the speakers. Thanks, guys. And then they said, come to the after show. Next up, uh, Luminiferous Ethan says, uh, let's see. I think this is more in response to the, the last person that asked that question that Aaron, you took on the Killian aura. So Curlian photography. They said, how many kilojoules is your soul? Energy is measurable. A soul is not. Is that, am I understanding right, that that's probably responding to that? It could be. Okay. It's, it's very rare that you get a pseudoscientist to use any kind of, uh, to state anything that is testable at all. Yeah, I don't think that was a response to the Curlian photography. I think they're asking them, if it, if it existed, it should be a measurable energy thing. Why isn't it? Yeah. Cliff and Seward, is it? Is the soul a measurable energy thing? No, it's not a thing. The brain is measurable. The soul is immeasurable. Gotcha. And the soul is an immaterial entity. Sohan D'Souza, thanks for your question as well, says, Cliff, okay, so what would the way Tom lives his life look like if he did not choose his actions deterministically? Can we stick with something relevant to whether we have a soul? This one was, let's see, what would the way, Tom? Yeah, I, I think that's true. That's fair game. Uh, in other words, to say that it's not quite within the topic. So Aflanio, thanks for your question, said, induction and faith are synonyms. No one can point to a soul. Let's see. Uh, again, maybe not related. Then uh, everybody's on induction and faith. Uh, let's see. Um, Hill it's just funny because the only time that I ever thought, exactly. you know, I've, I've made the joke many times that the only time I ever thought I have a soul is when I listened to really good blues guitar. Very nice. And <laughs> very you were a heavy metal guy. <laughs> yeah, but where did heavy metal come from? Hmm. Fair enough. Next, Hillel Hinton Williams. Let's see. They say, I agree that we can't point to a soul. Induction and faith are not synonyms. So, Appreciate that. Sunflower said, Tom, can you hypothetically calculate every action someone will make in their future? If so, what happens if you do? And then show them the data. Could they choose not to do what the data dictates? Uh, you could hypothetically predict every action someone will take. And then if you showed them the data after you calculated it and added a new effect that wasn't calculated before, then it would be something new. But if it was a part of the previously calculated data, then you'd already know what they were going to do. Gotcha. Just so how people manipulate people. Next, Sohan D'Souza says, for Cliff and Stuart, soul pilots bodies non-deterministically. 
equals energy being pumped into our universe ex nihilo to nudge electrical signals off fully deterministic signaling pathways. So where's this energy? I think that's the same thing well, before. One of my main points has been not that the soul is supernatural. We all have souls, part of the natural world we live in. But the existence of the soul smashes materialism, which teaches all of reality's matter and energy. The existence of the soul is not supernatural, but it points us to a supernatural God. Next. The description you gave by your definition of a soul just to get through is what we, materialists, what we materialists already accept. So now you're changing the definition again. You're saying that the soul is 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 natural or, or is material, and and so it is the self. It is our ability to make reasoned decisions, which we already no, understand. No, I never said the soul is material. The soul is immaterial. But what it's does that mean? Natural world. What In does that words, mean? I think that there are many parts of the natural world that are not material. Like, like what? Mathematics. We do. Mathematics. We have to keep like moving. Justice. No, okay. Like justice. Matthew Steele, thanks for your question. I hate to rush you guys, so sorry, but just because uh, we've got a lot of questions. We're almost near the end. They said, why are you conflating free will with a soul, Cliff, and what is your justification for doing so? The soul is the person that goes beyond the biology. So the person is a soul, a human being, created in the image of God. God loves you. He treats you and me seriously. He loves us and respects us. He loves us and respects us so much that he wants us to spend eternity with him in heaven. That's why Christ died on the cross, to forgive us and to give us eternal life. In other words, my body changes molecularly on every seven years. It's a total remake. But my soul, my personhood remains the same. I am still Cliff. I am me. You are you. That shows us that there is more to reality, more to the natural world than simply molecules and energy how does there it show that we must we must move into the next question i hate to do this but sunflower says bricks can turn into walls but can bricks turn into humans tom without a proposed method or mechanism of how the emergent property in question arises or forms it's baseless to describe conscious rationality as an emergent property no it is not because we know that we know that emergent consciousness exists even in unicellular microbes and we can demonstrate that in laboratory studies gotcha and sebastian shaw thanks for your question for cliff and stewart said when does the soul come into existence i think they yeah we answered that we covered that gotcha and alex gross thanks for your question said cliff and stewart let's see ah that's more of a trolling ricky dicky dong let's see thanks uh i was says rn what was his parents speaking (laughs) says rn i was once a follower of kent hovind thank you it sounds like you've persuaded him out of following kent hovind by the way kent hovind may be back i don't know it's like todd malik malikowati thanks for your question said would stewart say it's not his body to choose to a terminal patient in horrible pain what is going on they said i mean that's radically different is it not i mean i think the fluidity of sex you know even cynthia nixon talked about that who led the the liberation movement of sexuality in new york city she said i've been bi i've been straight i've been at all and and i know for a fact there's sexual fluidity and my point with transgenderism was simply 
when I counsel, for example, transgenders, so often it's social pressure. And this was Cynthia Nixon's point in dealing with sexual identity. We think it's just deeply a part of us and no one should ever impinge their beliefs or opinions on it when actually there's so much social pressure to conform a certain way with our sexual identity. This one guy who became a woman said to me, I, I asked him, so, so why do you think you are trans? Why, why do you think you are making this change? He didn't say anything about this, this soul that somehow has been in existence and pulling him both ways since, since his inception as a human being. Instead he said, oh, most of my friends are trans. So no, there's a tremendous social pressure I find in it. Gotcha. And thanks for your question. This one comes in. This is more of an objection from Moyet Morgan says, if consciousness equals a soul, then soul requires a soul. Does anybody understand what they're trying to get at? I think he's saying that what Aaron did earlier, that if you're only just defining consciousness as the soul, then it's just circular reasoning. You're not saying anything different. But I think Stephen, uh, Cliff and Stuart are saying that there is something additional there. Um, maybe it's clarifying on what he said earlier that we're souls. We're we're souls are not supernatural, but God is supernatural, and but God is a soul. Maybe that's partially what the question's about. Gotcha. And thanks for that. Language and programming says, "What is the definition of a soul? How can you make any assertions about a thing which hasn't been clearly defined? Otherwise, it's just a word game." And we define soul as personhood, personality individuality it includes free will it includes conscience it includes intellect it includes emotions it includes a deep desire for meaning and purpose in life to understand meaning and purpose in life which is obviously untangible intangible it's not a physical thing you can put in the bottom of a test tube and scientifically analyze it's immaterial entity that has intentionality and it has intellect. So what he's saying is that every diehard materialist who believes in only the physical matter and energy, that's it, that's all, we all have a soul because we have this belief that, or we have this position that is, that, that, that's what our, we have a self that is completely supported by a purely physicalist view. He was supposed to argue for an immaterial soul was the way I thought that this debate was built. Yeah, that's what I've been arguing for, an immaterial soul. That's intellect, emotions, conscience, will, consciousness. The ability All emergent properties of a physical brain. None of that is material. All, All of it of is physical, is, immer is emergent properties of a physical brain. A soul. All of that is, an, is emergent properties of a physical brain, limited to humans by definitional fiat, but still entirely physical. We obviously disagree. So we'll have to respect well, we, we weren't supposed to come into a debate to agree to disagree. I came into this debate to show scientific evidence that contradicts the belief in a soul. I have done that. And no, you did. No, I, you did. I did. I no, did. With, with my references to neuroscientists showing different studies, and T Jump did the same thing references to neuroscientists showing different things where physical causes can change the mind, change the decision, change the personality, change the perspective, change the orientation. Physical changes can do anything possible to change the self as you define it. What, what happened in this debate is you came in with a straw man argument wherein you falsely assumed that, that the self could not exist knowing 
somewhere in the depths of your being that we believe that ourselves exist. So you know that your argument had to have been flawed from the get-go, but you came through it anyway, even after both of us corrected you again and again and again. You kept repeating the same mistake. God loves you, buddy, and I sure hope you're going to come to know Christ. All right? And I also would encourage you to think more deeply about what we've talked about tonight. You Next time you have man. me debate somebody, make you sure to get an opponent who understands the topic. Next up, so, Aran. Jamie. Okay, <laughs> it's Aran. Um, Aran, sorry. Jamie Russell, thanks for your question. Said, did Aran just affirm he chooses what he believes? Wouldn't that be a denial of determinism? I am not bound to a particular philosophy. I am an explorer. I don't know. I'm learning. Okay, so I don't I don't have to adopt anything because these guys say I have to. They they say I have to be a relativist. I don't know why they would assume that, but so far everything they've told me that they assume is demonstrably wrong. So I'm not going to put a lot of stock in their the assumptions. I asked it. I didn't say that. I, I think you did say if you're an atheist, you should be a relativist. I think you did. Say you that. said I, I had to be. Was. I asked. Yeah, if he I was. typed it down. I typed it down as one, one of my responses because you said that as an atheist, I would have to be, have to be a relativist. Well, I would oh, say I, that. If, if I said that, scored, then I was, you can say that. Well, hey, surprise. You're I'm not a relativist. Consistent as an atheist, I don't believe. You have to be a moral relativist. No, I don't. Because there's no mind prior to the human mind to define what's right and what's wrong. I so believe in an objective, right wrong, I believe in an objective reality, so which Christians so don't have. Tell everybody else that Excuse their me. definition of right and wrong is wrong. Excuse me. And that your definition My definition of right and wrong. That would be your arrogance. Excuse me. last word. My, my definition of, of right and wrong is objective, where you, as Christians, do not have an objective morality. You don't have a definition. You don't even understand what reality, what, what, what morality is. You have to listen to whoever is pretending to speak for the magic imaginary friend's personal subjective opinion about you it. You need transcendence to get objective move, morality. Move to the next one. Mike no, Bilars, you don't. You just have move. to know what the fuck you're talking about. We must move. Oh, we have a definition. Yeah, that's Mike, interesting. That's Mike, quite the claim there, bud. God is Mike, with us. Yeah, yeah and I can Mike, back I it up like I can everything now, else. One second. It's that's a good feeling. You should try it. God is all of a sudden. Gentlemen. All right. Mike Billers thanks for your question said do uh they said Stuart and cliff you had just said that the soul is created when the body's created so was jesus created when he was born no jesus has an eternal soul he's the eternal god so jesus has no beginning no birth date except as a human being when he stepped into space and time he had a birth date then yes but no jesus is the eternal god who has always existed has a soul a personal part of him do you want to point out the contradiction to him, or you want me to do it? We must move to the next question. I have okay, to. Okay, we're going to skip the contradiction then. Let's see. Hundredth Monkey said, for Cliff and Stewart, how do you explain a head injury producing two separate personalities? We acknowledge that a human being is both physical and immaterial, non-physical. The gotcha. soul is the non-physical, and you can alter a person's thinking by having a lobotomy. President John F. Kennedy's sister had a lobotomy. It did not go well. It was a medical failure. And that dear woman suffered for the rest of her life. Medically, when there are chemical imbalances, when there are psychological sicknesses, we try and introduce chemicals in the form of medicine. We will even have in the past have tried to do surgery to correct what is broken and what is fallen. That is a biblical view of living 
in a fallen world to love people, to try and bring healing to them with good medicine. Next up, Jamie Russell, thanks for your question for RNNT Jump, who asks, when people die, what is the physically different part on their body in light of the difference when they die? Uh, the brain chemistry begins to deteriorate and stop functioning. So it's just the biochemical process in the brain is the difference between a live body and a dead body. Gotcha. And yep. I want to say thanks so much for your questions, everybody. It's been a true pleasure. We do, oh gosh, got a couple more quick. Jay Shy, Tom Jump, what do you think of Aristotel Aristotelian hylomorphism? No idea. And then Gabriel K, thanks for your question. Last one, folks. Said if oxygen and hydrogen both gases can turn into water, they're wet. Please tell me at what point a complex biological system can't yield consciousness, please. I think that's for Stuart and Cliff. I missed it. Sorry. Say the second half of it. I think they're saying the emergent property of water, uh, basically of oxygen and hydrogen, both being gases, and yet you get this wetness of water. They say oh, yeah. it's an emergent property example. So they say, please tell me at what point a complex biological system can't yield consciousness, please. I am convinced that life comes from life. That's more reasonable to believe that. It's more plausible. I am convinced that consciousness comes from a living being. That is more reasonable, more plausible. And I am convinced that morality and understanding of right and wrong demands some type of intelligent mind. If it's just the human mind, then morality is obviously relative. For me to say my opinion of what's right and wrong is the right one is total cultural elitism or my own individual elitism. The only way that I can say and understand that there's an objective moral is by understanding that the mind that's eternal, the eternal God, has created this value and has given me a conscience and a rational mind that can understand that value. Next, Mike Villar's perfect super chat to end the night said, thanks, James. Thanks to the debaters especially. And I could not agree more. They are all linked in the description, folks, so you can hear plenty more from all four of our guests. We really appreciate these guys. This has been an epic one. People really, uh, seriously, guys, there's so much positive response. People loved watching this. So we just want to say thanks, guys, for being here. Thank you, so much. James. Thanks so much. Real privilege for us. Thanks for having me. Thank you. With that, folks, keep sifting out the reasonable from the unreasonable. If you like juicy debates, hit that subscribe button as we have many more coming. Thanks, and have a great rest of your night.
Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big